Hello, this is Josh Belk with the Belkham Business Podcast. Today, we're going to uh, talk a little bit about some money handling mistakes inside of our business. And we'll probably take this week and I'll, uh, I'll hop into at least one more podcast on this particular topic. Uh, at the, the firm that I own, we have I don't know, somewhere uh, around 800, 900 clients, something like that at the firm level, and really gives us the opportunity to be able to work with a lot of different types of businesses, a lot of different types of business owners. And um, just really can uh, gives us a little bit of a peek into businesses and uh, sometimes, uh, you know, what they do that brings them success inside of their business. And some areas can really complicate matters uh, for them uh, and for the business as well. And so we're just going to kind of talk through uh, some of these. And of course, uh, as with most any time you get into, into list or ideas, it's not at all inclusive. Uh, I'm just going to point out uh, today, I'm going to talk through uh, three different money handling mistakes. And next week, we'll, we'll talk through uh, a few more and uh, possibly one more week after that. But I would imagine probably just, um, just a couple podcasts on this particular topic. So, of course, when you get into business and and someone like myself, I you know I, I did the, the the entire you know college university uh, thing, um, and so uh, learned a lot about business. Of course, uh, my undergrad went on to uh, business uh, school as well at the at the graduate level, and and really kind of uh, gave us a, a real good kind of academic exposure to uh, to operating a business, how to function a business. Uh, but to be honest with you, um, a lot of what you learn in business uh, comes through mistakes. And so regardless of whether or not, you know, you just have a high school diploma and you started a business and you're kind of figuring these out, things out on your own, or if you're like someone uh, like myself who spent way too many years at the, in university, it seems like, and we kind of received a lot of what that university track has to offer, at least uh, as it relates to um, the academic portion of it. Uh, so regardless of where you're at, uh, and to be honest with you, it doesn't really matter as it relates to these mistakes. So someone who just kind of, you know, barely made their way through through high school and kind of started a business at some point or those that kind of went through and received all the, the diplomas that they needed to uh, and, uh, and, and they're operating a business. These mistakes are do not discriminate depending on whether or not you do or you don't have a um, uh, kind of that university background. Uh, these mistakes are ones that for the most time p- people just kind of have to figure out on their own or they have an advisor that kind of points them, uh, point these out to them. So the uh, so uh, there are many mistakes a business owner can make, some which uh, can be fatal to the business either directly or through mismanagement of the finances or indirectly through failure to uh, follow proper inter- internal controls or following basics of asset protection. So there's a sentence I kind of jotted down, as you can tell I read that. But uh, so there are many mistakes a business owner um, can make. And uh, some of those uh, can be fatal. Some of those just can really inconvenience that business for a time. But they do range. They can uh, uh, directly uh, can be related to just mismanaging of the actual physical, quote unquote, cash uh, of the business. Uh, but also the, mismanag- the mismanaging of the business and its finances can also uh, be related to either asset protection or internal controls. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit about this. And these are terms that you, you may or may not have heard when we talk about internal controls. Um, it's really one, uh, is, is there adequate control in the business as it relates to the, the day-to-day, the handling of the money and the day-to-day of handling of processes, et cetera? So are there adequate controls inside of the business uh, or is the business owner completely operating without any sort of oversight or are there team members uh, that are operating without adequate oversight? Okay, so a lot, internal control really kind of digs, digs into that. Okay, and then of course, asset protection is one that uh, sometimes that uh, doesn't really become an issue until it becomes an issue. So either you get sued, there's some sort of a problem, then you find out, okay, asset protection is a big deal. 
And then uh, you also had the asset protection piece that uh, sometimes uh, the they go when they get the asset protection piece taken care of, but don't realize the the financial impact. Uh, so those conversations really kind of need to be uh, held together, both kind of the attorney with the the structure, and then the accountant as it relates to the to the finance side and the tax side. And so, uh, of course, there, there are a lot of kind of landmines, a lot of things we can step on. But I think some of these maybe easier ones that we can talk about today are ones that can be resolved if they are going on inside of your business. So first of all, and that is uh, the, the this concept of commingling. Okay, so the uh, so combining or commingling the, uh, business and personal finances. And this is one, especially if you're a smaller business. Uh, when I say a smaller business, you know, it's kind of one that maybe like a business like mine, you know, we have, you know, 10, 12 employees inside the business. Uh, or if you have a, a larger business that uh, a larger business, you know, 50 plus uh, um, people inside the business. Uh, these just generally you see this, but you see this a lot more, especially on in smaller businesses with a singular owner or uh, maybe a, a couple that owns it or maybe brothers, you know, whatever the case may be that may own the business that uh, that the commingling of the finances ends up taking place or even in a larger business to where you have lack of controls by maybe the C-suite, by, uh, by senior shareholders, it relates to spend inside of the business. So they end up taking things that should be paid for personally and trying to squeeze it inside the business. Or uh, what we'll see sometimes is a smaller business uh, kind of using their business checkbook as, uh, as their personal checkbook. So they're paying personal bills out of it. They're pulling money out of the business uh, when transferring money maybe into their personal bank account without the proper process. And so uh, you end up with this commingling. So anytime that there is a business, uh, the business is paying for personal, uh, uh, personal types of, of, of transactions or the business owner is pulling money out of the business without the proper process, meaning there's been some sort of a uh, some sort of minute, some sort of an anal uh, analytics as it relates to that distribution and it's documented. Okay, so when you're when you when you're either pulling money out of the business without doing those things, without the proper process, or you're paying for bills uh, of the business out of the personal checkbook, or I'm sorry, out of the business checkbook, then uh, those are situations to where you can end up with commingling. This is the, uh, this is the, uh, the number one area when we talk about piercing the corporate veil, that, uh, um, that if you end up in a situation to where they're going to be able to get to that business owner and, uh, and, and really kind of get in that po pocketbook of the business owner. Even if you're doing everything else correctly, you're not handling the finances separately, business and personal, you're going to run into, a, you're going to run into an issue. And so uh, it's going to run into, you're going to run into asset protection issues. It's going to create a risk exposure. Uh, and so uh, kind of somewhat joked saying this through the years that you kind of really haven't become a business owner and really experienced what it's like to be a business owner until you've been sued. Okay. And there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, so there's a lot that you learn when you go through a lawsuit. I've been sued. Many of our clients have been sued and have kind of had worked through them. I, I'm in, I'm in depositions have, I guess, summoned quite frequently as it relates to these issues. And so um, it's kind of one to, to come from a person that uh, either I may be one of your advisors if you're a client or you have someone out there that's kind of sitting in that seat um, and uh, lean into them uh, and uh, allow for them to, to help you. But just be aware that uh, that commingling of the, of, the, of the finances does create a huge asset protection uh, issue with, uh, with your particular company. So it can uh, cre uh, uh, create a risk exposure. So make sure that uh, if you are uh, going to 
distribute money out of the business to make sure that there is a process. Analysis, the financials, you're not doing it every week, but maybe it's quarterly. And a look at the finances, you document it. We made X amount in this last quarter. We're going to pay X amount out in a distribution uh, or a dividend if you're, if you're a, a, a corporation. Okay, so um, make sure that that, that that process is followed. Uh, so asset protection creates internal control issues. And uh, so if you're, you're doing this as well and you try to get a loan, uh, something to that effect, uh, they're going to look at, a bank's going to look at you and say, we don't understand what's going on inside of your business. Uh, you are not running your business like a business. Uh, you're running this thing like a hobby. A bank may end up kind of looking at you saying, I don't know if I want to take on this risk. So uh, it can create um, it can create those types of issues as well with bankers and also uh, with regulators. If you're in a if you're in a if you have the type of entity that requires an audit, uh, you you have any sort of you're dealing with investors, any of this type of thing, you can run into issues with regulators if you're not if you are in a, uh, in a situation where you're commingling of your finances. Uh, we've had uh, some very large not not uh, not clients but people who have invested with uh, with um, different types of syndications, with different types of other types of investors that were doing this type of thing. And then the, the, the government steps in. There's ends up being regulatory issues. They end up you know losing their money. So if you're handling people's money, make sure that you're that you're you're handling it correctly. If you're investing with someone to make sure that also that they are not doing these types of things. Uh, so uh, and then lastly, as it relates to the commingling, it will decrease your business value as well because we can't get a real true value of the business. So uh, kind of one of those types of things that I've sat in these types of meetings to where, you know, they have someone who's looking into buying their business. And it could be an equity firm. It could be whatever the case may be or just a, a private sale of a business. And uh, then you'll end up with these business owners kind of sitting down. They're having a conversation about what is this business worth? And they're going to look at some sort of a variable. A lot of times it's going to be the net income. There's going to be some, uh, some tax preferential items. They may back out of that. And so even if they're looking at a bit does something to that effect, if that bottom line, if you were paying personal bills out of there, so you were you know, kind of paying for your personal gas and, and uh, you were uh, you know, travel, that was kind of vacation, and you're trying to slide this in here and trying to make it look like a business expense, and you're doing these types of things, they're going to look at the financials and say, and you're saying, oh, my business is, you know, is worth this. And they're looking at the bottom line and saying, well, no, it's not, it's really not worth that. We're seeing this on the net income. Then you come back and say, oh, well, you know, it's because, you know, you know how we are as business owners. We kind of slide things in here that, you know, that are kind of, you know, maybe gray area, whatever the case may be. I just take advantage of my business to support my lifestyle, something to that effect. You get it, right? You're another business owner and they're going to look at you and say, "Mm, well, maybe they get it, but they they're going to they're going to have some concerns. Okay. What's really truly going on in the business? Are you running this thing the way this should be run? Are you truly serious about your business? Uh, uh, you know, you, you know, so there's going to be all kinds of questions that are going to be asked. So bottom line, don't be commingling. Uh, your business should be supporting your lifestyle to a certain extent, but it should be done properly. So is your salary where it should be inside of the business? Are your distribution being handled correctly? Are you truly analyzing those financials, having those meeting minutes to do the distributions? So uh, number one, uh, money handling mistake uh, is the commingling of business and personal finances. Number two, mismanagement of debt. Uh, there's a, a scripture verse, borrower is, uh, is slave to the lender. Uh, and uh, it's one, if you listen to Dave Ramsey at all, at any point, uh, you'll, you'll hear him quote this verse quite often. Uh, it's one that, um, the, the verse that I think is very, very, uh, I think is important, regardless if you're in business or personally. Um, so if you are, if your business is in debt and you're not handling it correctly, 
Okay. It will kill your business. You find out you're going to find yourself even on a personal end, uh, coming into business and it's going to be a grind day in and day out because you know, you're working for someone else. You're working to pay back principal. You're paying, trying to pay interest. You're doing these types of things and it really puts a chokehold on your drive. And so, uh, that's not a, that's kind of an intangible, but is one that we should be aware of. So mismanagement of that, that will, uh, it will add additional stress, not only to you, but to your business. It is a stress tr- test to your business that, uh, you, if you can tr- at all possibly avoid, try to avoid it. And so it also debt will magnify any sort of mistakes that you have inside the business. What that means is it really decreases your room for error inside of your business. So the smaller mistake becomes a bigger mistake because you have debt. And so uh, make sure that you're managing uh, debt, uh, correct, uh, debt correctly. So some areas you need to, con- you need to consider. Uh, so do you have enough profit to cover the debt. You think about it, if I go through and if I take a $100,000 loan into my business and I bring that, I have to pay that $100,000 back plus interest. That is going to come from net income. Okay, so I'm now I have to have a business that is performing enough to be able to, to pay off that debt. So every time, if you're looking at taking on debt, you better have a process to know how that is going to be paid back. Do you have the ability to pay that back? And so um, understanding sometimes you take on debt for risk. Okay, um, but uh, you may may uh, want to be very very prudent in how you go about doing that to make sure that if you are taking on debt, that you have a process and you have a plan and one that you're going to follow to be able to pay back that debt. Uh, so understanding that if you do take on debt, that you're going to have to have profit to pay off that debt, and so otherwise you end up going finding new debt, paying even more in interest and more in fees to try to pay off the old debt to try to keep that business alive. And we've seen this happen over and over again. Eventually, that snowball becomes so great of debt that it literally the business crushes under that that debt. Next, uh, best to try to if you are in the startup phase of your business, or you have an idea, it's best that you try not to use any sort of debt in order to start that business. And so if you're getting into something, either you're leaning into your savings, uh, you're going into a situation to where uh, you don't want to bootstrap your business to, to, to weigh down your business with debt right off the bat. It may be that your business may need to start a little bit more slowly than you'd like, whatever the case may be. Um, if it's, it's kind of, a, of an idea that is, is not a proven one, you don't have proof of concept, you know, these types of things, be very, very careful on how you get into starting that business and working through the process of hopefully eventually scaling that business. And so to make sure that you're handling debt and you're handling the finances correctly on the front end. And so it's best if you're in those early stages, uh, you have not made that first dollar yet, you may want to consider, is there a way I can go about doing this without taking on debt and, uh, and, and, and going about it that way. Now for all businesses, only take debt on assets with greater book value, not fair market value, than the corresponding loans. I've mentioned this in, uh, in podcasts before. Uh, but uh, don't go through and take on a de- uh, take uh, take on debt that is greater than the asset that's uh, that's attached to that debt. What we've seen happen, uh, and this um, uh, especially with real estate clients, is they go through they they purchase a property, they get it rehabbed, and then they refinance it, and they get a loan that's greater than the book value of the asset because the bank will give it to them. I don't know uh, how much of uh, that's still going on uh, with rising interest rates and things of that nature, but when they go through and they refinance, then now they have a um, uh, they have a, a loan that's greater than the corresponding asset. Uh, uh, a book value of that asset. So what you purchased it for plus rehab less depreciation. 
Okay, and I'm talking about ordinary depreciation, not if you take bonus depreciation. So ordinary um, a depreciation timeline. <clears throat> and then you'll probably want to present your, your financials to the bank on gap instead of on tax basis. But um, but it's one of those things that uh, you want to make sure that uh, you're taking a look at that. So for every uh, asset you have on the books, and I don't care if we're talking about equipment, we're talking about whatever the case may be, to make sure that any sort of corresponding loan that you have on the books is less than the uh, than uh, that particular asset. You're paying off assets on a shorter timeline than the depreciation timeline of that particular asset. These are things you need to take into consideration. And so uh, just uh, if, you're, if you're going through and you're uh, refinancing, you're taking that business, the, the cash from that business, either support your business or even worse, pulling out of the business, your business is going to be heading toward a cash crisis and eventual failure uh, if you continue going down that road. So making sure that you're managing your debt correctly. Number three, and that is how are we handling our spend? So the third uh, money handling mistakes is that the mismanagement of spend, mismanagement of that cash going out the door. Uh, bottom line, outspending your cash flow. If you go through and you should have a budget, okay, and so you have a budget, and part of your budget process is going to be looking and seeing when it, what is my estimated cash flow? When am I expected to receive X amount of cash going forward? And uh, do I have enough cash, expected cash flow coming in to cover that to, to cover the budgeted amounts? Okay, and so uh, so you need to to make sure that's number one. Make sure you have a budget. Okay, and you have a budget that's an actual real budget, not a pipe dream, not something to that effect, but a, a budget that you have designed around how is uh, being to be able to operate your business as it is now and also to be able to reach any sort of goal that you may have within that given year. And so that may include, you know, investment into a new asset, improvements in some areas, whatever the case may be, a development, whatever the case may be. It needs to include all of those items inside of your budget. And then you need to take a look at your projected cash flow. Do I have enough cash flow coming in? If you don't, then you need to obviously modify that budget downwards. Okay. And so, uh, so budget should be uh, designed about around what's truly happening inside of your business and any sort of goals that you have. And then make sure you're spending within that projected cash flow and you're, and you're using that budget kind of as a, uh, as a guardrails and boundary inside of your business. Next, mismanagement of spend, buying what you don't need or a failure, failure to plan. So either buying what you don't need or, or, uh, or failing to plan. So it just boils down to certain things. Do I rent or do I buy? Do I do I just simply lease an asset for a, for a period of time, or do I go and I purchase this asset? These are decisions that are going to uh, that you need to look at. And I don't care if we're talking about equipment, we're talking about an office building, uh, office location, whatever the case may be, a vehicle. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna look at this. Uh, so uh, am I buying what what we don't need? Uh, are you buying an office footprint you don't need? Are you purchasing vehicles just simply for the tax write off? And I'll talk about that here just a little bit more in a, in a moment. Okay, uh, looking at these types of things, how am I making these decisions? And uh, making sure, am I making a decision in a way that, it, that benefits the business, or am I uh, truly benefits the business in the, uh, in the short, medium, and long term, or am I spending money because this is what makes me feel better in the moment? Okay, so I feel like I'm doing something in the moment, so there's this emotional aspect to it instead of really taking a look at the, the dollars and cents and making the, 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 uh, the decisions that way. And so the rent versus buy, you're overspending on real or personal assets and properly analyzing if it's even needed at all. Okay, uh, tax planning uh, mismanagement or not doing it all. Okay, so uh, uh, not going through and, and, and realizing that you have tax. How am I going to go about uh, planning for this? If your business is profitable, in all probability, you are going to pay some tax. Um, or you're going to use some sort of tax strategies, but understanding that these are short-term solutions to a, uh, to a tax problem. Okay, so that's something that has to be kind of kept up with. So you're not making these decisions in a bubble, but you're taking a more holistic approach. Um, so 
so buying what you don't, don't, don't be purchasing what you don't need. Uh, and then also uh, making sure that you you plan. Uh, so that planning comes through through budgeting. Uh, that um, and then also making sure that all of your tax burdens are taken care of. That's part of your plan: income tax, payroll tax, sales tax, all these different types of tax, franchise tax that you may have. That's also included in your budget. If you don't, you're gonna you're gonna end up overspending, and it's going to end up crippling or even closing your business. And then lastly, planning and saving for growth or uh, for for uh, for growth or or essentially seasonal fluctuations. If you have a landscaping business, understanding that in January, you're probably going to have zero cash flow, okay, unless you, you know, push snow and then hope it snows, right? Um, so uh, if you're uh, in, understand also that uh, the economy has seasons. If you're in real estate, things, you know, might be a little bit tougher now, probably are a little bit tougher than they were two or three years ago, okay? So uh, understanding that businesses also has a, a cyclical or a seasonal element to it. And so uh, are you planning for those times? Uh, we have our clients that are landscaping business understand they need some cash to be able to get them through uh, December, January, and February because we live in the Chicago area and nobody's mowing their grass that time of the year, okay? So uh, next, establish retained earnings uh, for emergencies and opportunities. So when you get into your equity section of your balance sheet, uh, do you have members' equity or retained earnings in there? Is that a positive number when I take that number against any sort of distributions? That number should always be positive. And I would like that number to be positive enough uh, and also to have the corresponding cash uh, for planning for emergencies or any opportunities that may come. You go through and you want to invest in something. Do you have the cash there to be able to do it? Or you're like, oh, I can't. I'd love to be able to do this opportunity, but I don't have it because you didn't plan for it. Okay. Uh, the, the business, uh, you need to hire new, new people. You need to move into a new location. You need to invest inside the business. You should have the retained earnings there and the cash, corresponding cash, to be able to, uh, to do those types of things. And that also, once again, needs to be part of the plan. Next, uh, reviewing uh, payables, receivables, and, and bank and credit card statements. You as the business owner or somebody in senior leadership needs to be looking at these things monthly. Okay, this minimizes fraud and it helps to bring your uh, attention to what is going on from the, on the cash perspective in the business. Looking at, your, uh, looking at your receivables, who are my clients that aren't paying me? Okay, do I want to continue business? And I, and I do this every month. And that is part of the analysis. We have our, we have our renewals coming up for our contracts. And there are clients that, you know, we, we work with sometimes that they just don't want to pay their bills or take months to pay their bills. Okay, understanding that I have team members that need to be paid, understand they do too. Uh, but it's kind of one of those types of things that as a business owner, I'm paying my people to service people that aren't paying their bills. Do I want to retain them as a client? Well, I like the relationship. Well, great. You can maintain that relationship and pay your people to do the work, but then wonder why your business is failing. Okay, you need to be looking at that, your receivables, your payables. Okay, uh, looking at this, how is my money being spent? Are there things out there where we're overspending? Uh, remember, you as the business owner, this is, I mean, the, you, you need to take ownership of this. Uh, dues, subscription, things you're paying for, coaches, mastermind, things that aren't bringing you any more benefit. Get rid of those things. But if you're not looking at it, if you're not actually going through and doing kind of that ugly work, uh, looking at your payables, looking at your bank statements, what's going out the door, okay? Why do we have, you know, six Dropbox subscriptions on the, coming out of, the, uh, coming out of the, um, the business every month? Okay, how many Netflix subscriptions do we need? You know, these types of things uh, to make sure that, um, uh, that you shore those things up. And, and it's not going to happen unless you're doing the review. So once again, talking about outspending your cash flow, all these little types of things, looking at the bank statements, looking at the credit card statements, skim through them, uh, and anything pops out at you. Also helps to minimize fraud. You have uh, team members that are spending money, taking money out of the business, that shouldn't be going out of the business. Uh, that is another way you're going to be able to more likely be able to see it, and that is if you're actually looking at the source documents. 
And the very last thing I'm going to say for this podcast, don't be purchasing large, uh, large non-performing assets just to reduce tax exposure. So we see this happen. People go through and they'll buy a car because they get a tax deduction. Okay. Or they'll go and they'll buy um, some sort of a non-performing asset. They'll go and buy things they don't need just for the tax write-off. It's best to go ahead and pay the tax and take the rest of the money and, uh, and invest it prudently okay, inside the business or have it there inside the business, then buy something you, your business doesn't need just for the tax write-off. And so if you're going through and, and you're looking for ways to decrease your tax uh, exposure, can you deploy that capital in a way that's going to uh, be able to reduce your tax exposure, okay, uh, but in a way that's going to serve you and your business better? Okay, so if you're going through and you're investing in personal property or real property, something that is either going to appreciate in value um, or uh, and or also gives you a return on the investment versus spending money on a vehicle, for example, just for the tax write-off. And so that is not a good way of going about spending money. I don't, you know, it's kind of one of those things I hear quite often. Well, I'm just going to go and buy a vehicle for the business and that type of thing, knowing full well most of the time clients probably are not uh, keeping the right paperwork. If they get an audit, and then almost every time we get into an audit, I find out indeed the tax, the taxpayer, the client was not keeping up their paperwork the way that they should. Uh, and so now they have this asset that they're not going to be able to take the depreciation on because they didn't do their paperwork correctly. Bottom line, take the money inside of your business, buy an action. If you're going to need to reduce your tax exposure, either invest it in a, in a performing asset, something that may give you depreciation, ROI, um, or uh, only purchasing uh, non-performing assets, uh, such as vehicles or other types of uh, uh, things inside of your business uh, that um, at the point that you truly need them and one that's actually going to perform for your business. If you have a, if you have a, a business and you have people out there delivering or people on the road, whatever the case may be, of course, that's a good investment inside the business. You as the owner buying one just for the tax write-off and then hope that the IRS doesn't look at it and find out that you're driving this Tesla, you know, uh, for commuting miles that you're, you know, you have a home office and you're trying to write this thing off. Just stuff that this doesn't make sense. So uh, making sure that, uh, that the, these assets, that you have performing assets, and once again, going back to that asset value is greater than any sort of corresponding loan that you have inside the book. So money handling mistakes, kind of three uh, broad categories we talked about today. Commingling of business and personal financing, finances, uh, mismanagement of debt, and then thirdly, mismanagement of your spend. Once again, this is Josh Buck with the Belk on Business Podcast. Thank you for taking a few moments to listen in today. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing, provide any feedback if you have any. We'd love to hear from you. Have a wonderful day.